You're listening to Cross the Line 1524, the common man's podcast. But I came here for just one drink. Recorded live at an undisclosed location known as the Rusted Nail Speakeasy, it's Cross the Line 1524 with Jeff Montag, Reuben Hunt, Dwayne Bischoff, and myself, Alan Stanger. And don't forget, Table 12, set back, relax, and enjoy. It has happened before that I've forgotten. Uh, so welcome to Cross the Line 1524. I'm Alan Stanger with... Dwayne Bischoff. My Gardner. <laughs> Jeff Montag. And we got our special guest. Jason Fruits with Old 55 Distillery. So we have in front of us, folks... The world, yeah, a little special. Yeah, this is the world's only 100% sweet corn bourbon. So 100% corn mash bill, but instead of a traditional number two yellow dent corn, this is corn on the cob sweet corn. And I always jokingly say, we're the only ones that make this because we're the only ones dumb enough to make this. It is, uh, it is a one of a kind process to say the least. So uh, I call it dessert bourbon or corn brandy. It actually reminds me more of like a. a really high-end brandy than it does like bourbon and it's just right. super sweet um no no barrel finishing nothing no funny business this is just a brand new level three char 30 gallon barrel aged for four plus years in our basement um about five years honestly maybe a little bit over that and uh just super interesting so definitely sweet yeah it's it's mm. good though good i like, yeah, it. I like the flavor really really do i was fortunate enough to be part of the barrel pick on this and it was like we tasted this and we're like, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, that's yeah. The that's, that's really good. The, the the my favorite way to drink this is uh, is cast strength, and we release this once a year. That's what you guys got to try it. Right. We, right. we thiefed it right out of at barrel strength, and it's it's awesome. If it was up to me, I wouldn't sell anything but barrel strength. But we have to have skews and do marketing and all that craziness. And and bottled and bond is cool, right? I mean, it's right. a it's yeah. a neat labeling. Right. Like right. The, there's history there. It's very cool. So yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about old fifty five. The history, your family, and first of all, my wife's at the end of the bar. Go boilers! Oh yeah, boiler up! up. There we go. So we're uh, so the distillery itself is about eh, thirty minutes from Purdue's campus. So um, really close, West Central Indiana. I always joke. Went to Purdue uh, in early two thousands, and if you would have told me I'd ever been back in Newtown, I would. I would punch you in the mouth. It was never happening. So uh, teeny tiny. I mean, you guys have been there. It's like yeah. 120 <laughs> people and dying, you know. Um, and I just always thought that it, it – can I cuss on here? Is that uh, – uh, Well, can. I'm not going to say anything too bad. But I always thought Newtown was a shithole, and it's not. It's this cute little town, but it's where I grew up, right? So I thought it was yeah. a crap hole. And uh, I've decided my dad is an evil genius because he has weaseled every single one of us back to Newtown, and it's uh, pretty nice. crazy. So uh, my grandpa started a grain elevator there in 1968 my both uh so the farm ground that we farm all this on because we do all farm to bottle bourbon is about six miles down the road in montgomery county um and that is where my fruit side my dad's side's from and then my mom grew up in newtown as well and uh my dad uh my my dad's dad bought the elevator in 68 so it'll be 54 years this year that we've had that my dad owns it and runs it now and we um uh, so there was always this joke, like dad always wanted to diversify, and my dad doesn't drink. He's never had a sip of beer or liquor in his life, so uh, <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's hilarious. So we had this family joke that 
you know, how funny it would be if we made some whiskey and then, uh, you know, yeah, circa like 2080s bugging me to diversify. I once again, no interest even being in Indiana. And then get married, have kids, and I'm like, man, I kind of want my own thing. And my dad's like, you know, weasels his way in. Like, hey, what do you <laughs> think about, you know? Uh, and uh, so then we just kind of, so circa 2010 when my oldest was born, uh, me and my little brother and my dad kind of traveled the country and we kind of went to all these craft distillers and we're just collecting information. We don't come from any money. I mean, this is just a pipe dream. It's me getting dad out of work. We're having father son time. It's great. You know, and we'd laugh, we'd go to all these craft distillers and they'd be like, did, did we offend your dad? And I'd be like, what, what, what do you mean? They're like, he hasn't tried, he hasn't tried anything. I'm like, Oh, he doesn't drink. And they'd be like, they'd be like, <laughs> You guys want to start a distillery and he doesn't drink? Like, what, what is wrong? <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, it's the best business partner in the world, which is funny, and that's how it turned out. So we uh, got to have one sober one. Oh, right? absolutely, exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's that's the key. So, um, so start 2013. Uh, equipment shows up from Germany, and we start figuring this craziness out. And here we are, rocking and rolling. So, farm to bottle bourbon, um, bottled and bond is kind of our signature entry level now 100 proof barrel strengths are always have a special special place in my heart i love i love cast strength but i drink 160 off the still all day so that's always what i want and um yeah we just um yeah just keep trying to put out the best stuff we possibly can and it's had an awesome reception so yeah so you do things a little bit different a lot of different <laughs> yeah so First of all, we pulled into the distillery, and I said, this this was a school. I can tell. Uh, this yeah. was a school. And sure enough, you're in what's left of an old school. The only thing that remained, I guess, was the gymnasium. Yep. The, rest the, of the, the school had fallen in, but we had to level it to make it usable. Yeah. yeah. So. so most people think of bourbon, and they think of the aging process, and you think of rickhouses out in the middle of the fields. Tell them where you age your bourbon. Uh, we are the only North American distillery and the only um, bourbon producer that ages all their bourbon underground. So uh, we just have a basement, and it's uh, it's very – so we don't do anything that is that proprietary. I just always say – you guys heard me say this on the – like I just mess with everything. Cause I, like right. I leave really nothing unturned. I kind of just tinker with everything because I'm a – I'm a Purdue nerd. Come on, man. So I, I gotta, I gotta mess with everything. So and it's efficiency and it's the science. There's a reason. I say everything we do is accidentally on purpose, and that we're, I'm, I'm always doing something for a reason. It's just the reason we do it differently. Like oh, for so a perfect example is the basement. So when we started, Dad was like, "Hey, are you just gonna use the gym as like the Rick House to start out with before we put a building up outside?" And I was like, "No, I think I'm gonna use the basement." And he was like, "Why?" And I was like, "Well, I need consistent spirits." And I don't really, like, I'm learning what I'm doing as we go here. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't just, I mean, right. we moonlighted, and I, I knew the science, but, like, hadn't really ever done anything. So I'm like, I think the basement's going to lend me the consistency I need. So at least if I know I have a screw-up, I can trace it back and be like, okay, this isn't going to work. Let's go to the next thing. Right. And uh, so that was the idea. So that's really what's lended to our single-barrel program is that we single-barrel everything. And I don't know of another distiller that does that honestly like we've never released it i've never i'm the distiller and i make everything so i've never blended a whiskey in my life i wouldn't i mean i could give me a couple years to practice and i could pull it off but like we don't i single barrel everything so i think that's honestly the coolest thing about 
old 55 is you can trace every single bottle back to a single barrel to a single distiller me to a single family to a single farm period which i think is the coolest thing and and so people are always like jason you're a genius how do you how do you do this uh, how do you make this consistent these awesome single barrels i'm like i, I cheat like the basement is uh the it's basement special basement it gives well it gives me consistency <laughs> because i only right. i only have yeah. about 16 degrees of temperature variation, variation as opposed right. to like the you know 120 house. plus degrees right. in a traditional right. rick house uh but that's good that's uh, everything is a double-edged sword there's no free lunch in life okay so here's the thing the good part of the sword is that i get consistency the bad part is that i slow my aging down right. so right. which when you're starting a new distillery that's kind of a bad thing so the, to offset that and we have 53s down there that are over eight years old now um and people always oh my god how are they and i'm like it tastes as good as a four-year-old that's in 30-gallon barrels. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I mean, if we do anything, I always tell people, and you guys heard me say this before, we make better bourbon faster than anybody else can through this proprietary process. And the cool thing is, is I can tell you there's nothing proprietary about it. I'll tell you everything I do because you can't copy me because we're vertically integrated. I own it from farm to bottle, and people can't assume the cost that I do because, you know, when I buy $8 corn right now, like I write a check to my dad, and my dad writes it to the trust that goes right. to my grandma, and like that's all coming to me in an inheritance. You know, I mean, it's just a big incestuous circle of money, which is super cool. And uh, uh, so, kudos. What I always say is kudos to uh, those two generations before me. I mean, like I said, we come from literally. I mean, the stories of poverty that my grandparents tell me. You know, what I mean, and I was. You guys heard me say this once again. Uh, sorry for cussing. I'm the world's biggest spoiled asshole, and I never knew it. You know, what I mean, so I fell into this, and like. They're the ones that should get all the credit. Like I, I have many years of work before I even come close to how much those right. guys have done right. to 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 get to be able to sit here on this podcast and talk to you guys and make awesome bourbon. You know, I mean, everybody wants to make it about me. I'm like, do you know those sacrifices that were made for me to stand here like a jackalope? You know, I mean, it's pretty pretty amazing. So, well, at least yeah. I think they've instilled that in you, though. What? It what took a what while. went into you know, yeah, I mean, well, yeah it took a while you know we we were all dumb right in our twenties sure. uh, well yeah, every yeah every twenty yeah. year old is so. oh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, right. always will behave you know and my parents would you know they I, I just think it's neat that you know I for me what this is what it means to me and and I was I always joke like you know people always tell me they'll be like man you have the greatest job in the world and I'm like I do but you wouldn't want it you know what i mean like i i guys i was at the i left my house at 4 30 this morning we put a new uh we put a new um softener system in at the distillery today so i started that then i drove all the way over here you know what i mean asked my siblings none of them want my hours you know what right. i mean and i wouldn't change it for anything but the reason i wouldn't change it is because i know what i'm building like every day i do something is legacy like it literally has a direct result if i don't make whiskey today like i didn't because we were just doing maintenance stuff at the distillery because uh, I was coming here and I was like, oh, I'm going to be short. So I just pack the front end of the day with stuff that I'm like, oh, service the boiler, service, put this new uh, Puritan water softener in, you know, all these things. Like if I don't do that, like, you know, it, it I just pay the price four years down the road. You right. know what I mean? And like, right. uh, it, but it is cool to stand there and say, hey, like everything I do on a day-to-day -day basis has a effect on every single one of my siblings every single one of my nieces and nephews that i support through you know what i mean and it's i wouldn't change it for him there's some days that make you question you know what i mean like there's there was a couple of those uh two weeks ago when i was like 104 that'll make you <laughs> yeah you know talk to jesus while you're distilling and it's about yeah that's when, when you uh, go hang out in the basement where you're yeah in uh, i gotta go check those barrels so, so what <laughs> happens is in in that tunnel uh yeah 
said dumbass goes into the tunnel and then bust his ass because yeah. he's trying to hide down there. <laughs> <laughs> it was all conversation and sweaty. And I'm like, well, this was a great idea. This was horrible. I was laughing. We were like two weeks ago. All my fermentations, all the jackets were kicking on because it was so hot that it was over like what are my fermentation temps. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, and I was like, luckily, they were all good and done. So it didn't matter if it, right. they, they stayed, you know, but I was like, oh. So hot, like yeah, it's yeah. Rainforest sweaty is what I say. It gets <laughs> so, interesting. So did you start with fifty-three gallon barrels and then switch to thirty? You did so both. So I kind of um, one of my um, like kind of the guy that showed me everything was using thirty gallons almost exclusively at that time. The problem with the thirty gallons is they're as expensive or more expensive than 53s and you just halved your gallonage right. Right. so like i always tell people we could switch to 53 gallons and i could half my biz- biggest expense as a distiller is cooperage i could half it tomorrow by going to 53s the problem is i'm making you know some of the best award-winning bourbons on the planet in four years and the ones that i'm beating or are beating me are 16 year old right. you know William LaRue Weller antique collections, you know what I mean, at the world's biggest whiskey competition. So we, you know, I just have this niche I figured out, and I'm like, don't mess with the – I would say – you guys heard me say everything was accidentally on purpose. I'm very purposeful in what I do, but, man, I got so lucky. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, oh, I think this will work, and then – Thank God. uh, Yeah, yeah. Thank God. You know, but, well, and the the big key to all this is, once again, goes back to Dad, is like I always told him – it had to be about quality. Like, we, we can't compete with Kentucky on volume. They're awesome at it. I right. love Kentucky bourbon. It's delicious. I can't compete with MGP on volume. This is what they do, and they've been doing it for okay. literally 50 to 240 years. You know what I mean? Um, so I need to make the best thing I possibly can, and I need to do all the things to do that. And he was like, yeah, just tell me what you need. So, I mean, at the you know, so me, it was like just never compromise at any step on the quality, and hopefully that transcends to the end product right. when we pull it out, no matter what age it is. And I think we've done that, you know what I mean? So that's that's the key. If you're going to be a small, smaller producer, yep. you've got to be better in the quality. Otherwise, you've got yeah, really nothing on it. Because, like you you're, said, you're everybody's right. producing and, it. And that sounds – that 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 would that makes sense business wise, but I at the same time like look in the industry who does what my family and I does right nobody that's unique. Does. right that no, gives I mean, you like, your your little niche, buy, well well and but we saw the niche and then we actually pulled it off like right. most people are sourcing almost anybody any of the craft distillers in Indiana are all sourcing most of their booze and it's because of those play and that's there's nothing wrong with that like I to you guys heard me say this like we're the weirdos like we're the weirdos that like I'm so freaking hard headed I. Probably, you know, just too dumb to fail. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it myself, and that's how it is. And thank God it worked out. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, so most, you know, startup distilleries are going to do outsource Mm -hmm. uh, for until their bourbon ages, right? Absolutely. Because they need cash flow. Yeah. They just cash flow. flow. And somehow or another, you manage to get. You manage to get your bourbon now. We always need cash flow. That. That's for sure. Right? I just right. laugh. Like uh, I tell my dad all the time, if this, if old fifty five is about making money, this is the worst <laughs> piss poor business I've ever been a part of in my life. Bad business model. I, I always <laughs> spend it on the next bigger thing that you know. What I mean, a quarter million dollar glycol machine or whatever. You know, what I mean, or like you know, it's just always like, hey, what about this? And I mean, that's the thing. He sees. I mean, it, how cool is it to be? You know, um, the only guy you answer to is the guy you love and respect most on the planet, and he's 
200% behind your dream, and he sees the bigger picture like, okay, we're building something, and I'll eat crow for 10, 15 years to build something that's going to last 200. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. what that's what we're doing, which is, I mean, I can't even. It's it's incredible, man. So, so where so. do we get the name Old 55? So the road that runs right in front of the distillery is Old State Road 55. Okay. So, nice. um, and and kind of cool, so it just works out. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, there's a there's this great story. So we were trying to figure out what we wanted to name, and it was me and my two brothers. And uh, Aaron, my little brother, was kind of impartial. He didn't he, he just didn't really. He's kind of that way anyway. Like he's like, eh, whatever. We'd renovated this this gym and and this old school in 2009 with no intentions of doing the distillery or anything in there. And I was like, we need to put it in Newtown and. My older brother was like, no one's ever going to come to Newtown. Like, and my dad was felt the same way. I was like, why would anyone come out here? Like, and so the business was always distribution. It was always like coming here to Batesville Liquor, you know what I mean? And like right. distributing. And, and like we laugh, like the tasting room is like stupid busy every weekend. Like, and, and uh, we laugh, like we have no issues. I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here I'm with you guys on this podcast. But, uh, I have no issues because if you've come to Newtown to see me, I have a very captured, interested audience. You know what I mean? There's nothing else there. There's nothing else out there. But you know how. And if you take a wrong turn, yeah. you might not end up where you started. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Just uh, saying. That sounds yeah. like experience talking. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, Possibly. It's a neat. It's it's neat, man. And to see like how much traffic we have now on a weekend basis, like it's. It's crazy cool. So fun, neat for the family, you know, neat to see, you know, like my mom and dad see like how big it's become and they're like, oh, you know what I mean? Like it's just, yeah, crazy, crazy. So talk to us about some of the challenges of making the sweet corn bourbon in in respect to harvesting the sweet corn. Well, so if you ever want to know how stupid I am, um, this is a perfect example. So my dad, we wanted, of course, because we all, all farmed a bottle. So dad says... You know, well, has anybody ever done sweet corn before? And we wanted to do something because we were looking at all kinds of craziness. And we we still we have a couple artisanal grains that are coming out that are kind of neat, like just messing around with stuff, some family history. And uh, um, if once again, if you want to know how dumb I am, like I looked and I'm like, no, that immediately you should, you know, I mean, people have been doing this for quite a while. Right. Sweet corn is nothing new. I should have already known. But did I, did that make me stop or pop? No. We, I was like, yeah, I can do it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. So we did, the first year ever, we did seven acres because that's kind of the Fruits family motto is everything enormous and just stupid. So I would say it's, uh, the motto is do everything the hardest way possible and then just keep throwing power equipment at it until one of us almost dies and my dad laughs and everybody might learn a lesson. You know what I mean? And yeah, until it happens next time. So, um, so we did seven acres. I was all excited that first, uh, that that first harvest was kind of a crap show, but we were like, it was the first. So we were like, ah, you know, we're just learning. Uh, the second one we ever did, we went up to 14 acres. So my plan was always to keep doubling. So 7, 14, 28. We've never made it past 14 acres, by the way. It's 14 acres. It's planted right now. It's That's a lot of sweet corn. It's defi- it is a lot of sweet <laughs> corn. Uh, so this is my uncouth joke, but it's very uh, true. So anything that, uh, like... Everything is like fraternizing and fornicating, and every wild animal creature in like four counties is in that field, just oh, going yeah. to town on each other. You know, what I mean, because it's just like heaven on earth. You know, they're eating everything, crawling on. It. Oh God, it's a, <laughs> you're just. I don't even look at it. I'm like, just get out of this. 
I mean, you can smell it if it's hot outside. <laughs> like you can smell it while you're driving up because it's that much yeah. sweet corn. And uh, and we eat it like like my oldest. I joke he he's always like. I'm gonna eat all 14 acres of that, Dad, and I'm like, you can try. That's never gonna happen, bro. You know, you'll have dysentery before that happens. But uh, you know, uh, but it is. Um, yeah, so the second year we did eighty thousand dollars worth of damage to a brand new combine. Um, so we're using sweet corn for a purpose that is not genetically bred to be used for, and that's why nobody uses it. So, so that field looks like Armageddon by the time we're ready. So we, so a lot of people are like, well, why don't you just pick it when it's ripe? And then you know, and there are some seed corn ways that are like you could head pick it and then dry it on and then shell it off like. And we're like, yeah, that would cost money and, you know, not be efficient. We can't do that, you know, and millions of dollars of equipment that we don't have. You know, I mean, we need to bring in one of the big seed guys, which they've offered before. It's just now this is the way we do it. So we're just kind of so hard-headed, like this is the way we're going to do it and this is how it works. So I would say there's like a, oh, like four to five day witching period for me to get that off the ground before it all rots um, because it all falls over. Sweet corn is not genetically bred to stand up like yellow to so dent dry, corn. Dry. Uh, so it all falls over. So like the second year, we were just trying to combine it. We were just literally pushing it across the field. And so uh, the custom cropper um, um, that, that does this for us, um, Gene's like, oh, I'll just put the beam platform on and we'll just rake it up off the crowd. We'll go real slow. Hit a rock, $80,000 worth of damage. You know what I mean? Like brand new case combine. So now like I ride with him and we watch the chains. You know what I mean? Like I watch the left side, which is me and that little sideways. It's like made for like, you know. Like <laughs> it's it's made for, for his kid. Big old, yeah, yeah, big old boy sitting beside him and like I'll run down and kick the rock off the, the edge and yeah. And so we watch that because we've just learned and like think God for the Myerses and like him and his boys like being invested because um, like that they custom crop that ground for us you know what I mean and I was so we do farm to bottle but like I've never farmed a day in my life so my family we own acreage and then the families that have farmed that ground for generations still farm that we just happen to own it what my family does is we're the middleman so like we own the grain elevator so then they take all that all those farmers take all their crops to us and we commoditize it. That's really what we do. So I was jokingly say like we, we do the hard work, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> farming in a million dollar combine with a beer fridge under your feet is not hard. You know what I mean? Like, uh, cleaning out a leg pit is, uh, you know, that's what we were doing this week. And, uh, the, the nephew got initiated this week. So it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he'll smell till family vacation in a month. So it, it's good for him. It builds character and immunity. Like COVID's got nothing. Once you just clean a leg pit out once you can't ever get sick again, you know, yeah. you're so immune what, to everything. So how do you pick it? I mean, is it, so we just combine it. We shell you it. You let it dry. We like try. Uh, we've got it. Out. It's been, we've got it as wet as like 68% moisture. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah um, I won't for because this is goes down like immortally, but like not OSHA approved, like straddling lasers maybe on the back of a combine trying to poke it out as you're, you know, because it won't come out because it's already swelling in the back, you know, like we've done it's it's always interesting. So we'll say that. So then we put it on at these peanut carts. We dry it that way. And like I joke, this is like where my, this is where the family expertise takes over, like the redneckery involved in like drying this. Like I almost malt it. So I jump into these peanut carts and I'll like flip it in the middle of the night to make sure there's not like a wet spot. So it doesn't spoil because there's never enough anyway. So then like whatever we get is like treated like, you know what I mean? Like royalty. It's like gold. You know right. what I mean? So we're like, Oh, and oh, then the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
And so the the third and final. So the three reasons that nobody makes is one, the cost of seed corn, which is a sweet corn seed corn right. is thousands of dollars. I mean, I paid twenty eight hundred bucks for a hundred pounds of it. Like it's not even a full two bushel. Right. And a bushel of corn is eight dollars right now. That's as high as it's ever been in you know, almost ever. Okay. Um so that's the first the second um hurdle is really the family like our ability to handle the grain and know what we're doing and have a place to take it at the grain elevator and do all that. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. But the real reason that nobody does it is the third and final. Like, so last year, um, I distilled 11 barrels of sweet corn is all I got out of 14 acres of corn out of 14 acres of corn off of 14 acres of dent corn. Oh my God, I'd make 400 barrels. Right. Okay. Right. And then also, it took me like seven weeks to do. So it's like a third of a third of a third. There's just no efficiency to it in any way, shape, or form. So that's the problem. And it's just we'll never make money on it. It's a loss leader, but it's completely unique. It's one of a kind. And, we, I mean, it's neat. And people love it and appreciate it. And we want to – I always say it's a love-hate relationship. Um, everyone loves it, and I hate it. So it is a, it's a pain to make, but it's a really cool product. So, so are all the products you're making sweet corn? No, no, no. Just okay. that so specific. So what other pro- What other bourbons are you making? So we have um, – how many mash bills do we have now? Five? We don't have that many. Um, the sweet corn. And my mash bills are like elementary. And the sweet corn's 100%, 100% sweet corn. 100%. That was the only thing. So Dad was like, do you want to spread those 14 acres out? And then just do it as like a gimmick, and I was like, "No, I think that's stupid. I want to make it a hundred percent because then if it's, it's it can't be it can't, well, it can't be copied then either." And right. after the first year, I was like, "I'm good. I don't ever want to do this again." It's good. Yeah. Now we're on like year like this year is year eleven of planting, <laughs> so we're still doing it. Um, the the other um, so the weeded mash bill, which is 80% corn, 20% soft red winter wheat. That's kind of our mainstay, and that's probably 95% of what we make. Uh, we have a millet sorghum whiskey that is 50-50. That's called Wabash Cannonball. That will see more distribution in, like, the coming years because we've upped production on that. That's actually our only non-estate product, so that's the only thing that's not farmed uh, by us. So the millet comes from North Dakota, and the sor- sorghum comes from Missouri. Um, we have a single malt product. We have a couple other ones on the way that are kind of other bourbons, just figuring stuff out and kind of yeah. messing with stuff that we have and trying to make like one of them's cool. We have a, we have a flag bearer, and I finally decided this week it's going to be a bourbon. We have to do Grandpa right, so it's I think it's nine generations back, May, maybe eleven. Those two numbers are popping out. Anyway, my great great mini great grandpa George was the uh, in the Guinness Book World. Uh, book of records for he is the last survivor of the revolutionary re, uh, he's a, he's the last surviving revolutionary war veteran really? so and he was George Washington's flag bearer wow. uh, and so we're going to do like a kind of ode to him and he is like it was fruits they changed it to fruits that was the you know I mean they Englished it over and he right. basically seeded Alamo Indiana which is west of I mean if you think Newtown's in the middle of nowhere go to Alamo Indiana it's yeah I, well but I can't say those little towns oh yeah yeah. Well, it's like crazy. Like my grandparents came out of there. My grandma and grandpa fruits and like uh, that generation, like that World War II uh, generation out of there, there's about 40 of them. And if you saw what those 40 people from this teeny tiny town from outside of Crawfordsville like accomplished, like uh, the NBC Peacock, the guy that designed that's from Alamo, Indiana. Like, I mean, I can give you like this list of like you're like war heroes. Like, I mean, it's like 
Holy crap. The backbone like, of the country. Oh, man, absolutely. Yeah. And every little town. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, we're coming up on the fourth and three days. Like, every little town across America has those stories. Like, how right. freaking yeah. badass is that? You know right. what I mean? Like, yep. so. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. Good deal. So, all the, not all the products, but a lot of what we're talking about is available here. We're at Batesville Liquor Co. Uh, the, you know, taste testing, the barrel picks. And you, you also, when you do a barrel pick, it's not one barrel. You do sister barrels. Yep, yep, yep. So that's that's a little unique. Two thirty, so it's two thirty-gallon barrels that are sistered up. And uh, I'll tell you, you know, everything's. He's got a little barcode. He scans it, can tell you when it was made, when it was barreled. That's pretty slick. Operation. Do you remember why I told you we did the barcodes? I can't remember. Uh, I'd already tasted some I, by then. The first couple, <laughs> the first couple years, we were we were pulling out, and I'm like, "Who's the asshole that's writing on the end of all these barrels?" Yeah. <laughs> and I'm the asshole. I couldn't read my own writing. I was like, "So we use QR codes now to make sure that I uh, don't lose any information that I need, and I can put in this little thing, and then you someone else read can it. read it." Yeah, I, I, my dad is basically Jesus, man. He's awesome. But I did inherit the only bad thing I inherited from my father is handwriting and he has god awful handwriting and like so much so he'll scribble i'm like i don't even know what that says like that is and uh i inherited that you approved so, on it yeah no worse. mine is a <laughs> mine is better than his i don't know anybody that's worse if he gets in a hurry like he'll be like oh here take this note and i'll be like dad that literally looks like scribble i don't even know what you said he, he'll rewrite it <laughs> like, I, I, mine's so bad uh-huh. that i've looked at stuff and, and said who signed here yeah, it was me. Yeah, uh, <laughs> right. oh, I know. Exactly. I know my scribble. Mine yeah. is a scribble. It's right. a D and an R, but it's supposed to be a D and a B. But I just it is what it is. But I don't write anything. If I have to write something, I have to uh. print it because I've forgotten, you know, cursive writing. Because I can, but I have to really. Th- no, I have to really think because when I went to school, I had to start printing, taking notes. Uh. I could print faster and I could write. So then I just got to print yeah. everything, and then well, now you and this new generation will get along good. I, know. Yeah, exactly. well, I can still read cursive, so oh, I can yeah. read. I can at least do that. No, I yeah. can't. Uh, I, 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 I would have to do the same thing with him on cursive because I took drafting in vocational school, and you have to yeah. sit and, and I had to actually use a pen and you had to print. pencil, and you had to print and block letter. And so yep. after that, I just kind of go and block My 11-year-old, perfect printing, but he can't do cursive to save his life. Well, and my do, wife's, do they even teach cursive now? Well, I mean, he's homeschooled. So, yeah. And my wife is like, we got the curs- we got the printing down well. Like, we're going to kind of like let it slip on right. the cursive a little bit. You know what I mean? The only thing, not to go that, talking about the history, though, is go to, the, go to Washington, D.C., and you start looking at Declaration of Independence, all these documents, and there's a generation that's going to go. What the heck is that? And they yeah, aren't going to be able to read yeah. the first line well, of it. That was even that, that says was John Hancock, which was even yeah more yeah, yeah. yeah. But, if, but if you had to had to do cursive, it helps. Yeah, yeah. you can figure it out. You figure it out. I love. I listened to this awesome podcast. I'm trying to think who it was. It was the guys from Black Rifle Coffee Company, and they were talking about. And I do this actually every year because they're like head. So I write letters, handwritten letters, every year to like. Just like the 10 or 11, like my wife, like my parents, you know what I mean? Like uh, I gave my parents one two years ago. And my mom thought I was quitting. She was like in tears. She was like, You're, what are you doing? You can't leave us. We can't, you know, I was like, mom, it's, it's nothing. Just read it with dad. You know what I mean? Like, you know, but it's like to this, but they were talking about like our forefathers. I, I mean, you guys got me in like the patriotic mood now with the fourth and everything. Like they were talking about how 
this correspondence between you can read those letters you know what i mean like right. uh, the you know uh gosh i mean they're they're incredible the federalist papers you know all those and like you had to physically put your thoughts on paper and then argue and then send it to like the guy that you knew was going to come back and then you were going to send back that you know what i mean and then they would just post it in the paper i mean it's just incredible and i I think we maybe lack a little bit of that today. You know, I mean, it's uh, yeah, well, so we lack a lot of civility. When people can't have a discussion. Oh no, 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 no. You're well, either right or wrong, and there's no uh, in between uh, anymore. And that's the biggest problem. But when you have to think your thoughts through that way, you know, I mean, and actually put them on paper, I don't. I think that's incredible, and I, you know, I mean, I think that's maybe a little bit of what we're trying to do in the bourbon business. You know, I mean, is take those yeah, extra yeah. special steps and uh, yeah, keep it going that way. If you're so, gonna do it, mean it. Absolutely. Yeah. So speaking of discussions, there's people around the bar who would like to talk to Absolutely. you. So we're going to let you go. Absolutely. So I'm Alan Stanger with Dwayne Bischoff, Mike Gardner, Jeff Monte, and our very special guest, Jason Fruits. And you've been listening to Cross the Line 1524. Mark your calendars now. The 2022 Brookville on Tap Beer and Bourbon Festival. It's coming Saturday, August 6th from 1 o'clock to 5 o'clock. It's held on Main Street in Brookville, Indiana at the Third Place Event Center. Your ticket gets you unlimited tastings and pours from over 20 vendors. That includes craft beers, wineries, and our favorite, distilleries. That's right, Brookville on tap, Beer and Bourbon Festival, Saturday, August 6th. Mark your calendars. Go online, get your tickets now. It's Brookville on tap, Beer and Bourbon Festival. We hope to see you there. That's right. We've got a booth there. Come on out, say hi, and we have some gifts to give away. Batesville Liquor Co. in Batesville, Indiana, and Teppy Liquors in Brookville, Indiana have whatever you need to cool down during the hot summer days and summer nights. Just in is the old 55 barrel picks, which include the sweet corn mash bill. Jake Ireland's Off Hours Barrel Pick is also in. Get both of these while you still can. Are you looking for ready-to-drink cocktails? They've got them. They also have your mixers and accessories to go with whatever cocktail you want to make. Hard Truth out of Nashville, Indiana just stopped in and dropped off the two barrels that Batesville Liquor Co. selected. We tasted it, and it's some great stuff. Guess what? Our friends at Logsdale Distillery have finally made it to Indiana. Try the Monk's Road Bourbon and Gin. It is now available. Did somebody say beer? Stock up on both domestic and imported beers. Now, if you're into a fine cigar, they have a walk-in humidor as well at Batesville Liquor Co. Check it out. Located at 315 Shopping Village in Batesville, Indiana, or Tebby Liquor on Main Street in Brookville. Let them know that the Cross the Line 1524 crew sent you. Gilman's Home Centers. With 14 locations and growing. You know what? It's the party time of the year. That's right. You might need some party rentals and they've got them. They've got bouncy houses, tents, even slushy machines for those adult party-friendly drinks. You know what? Things are heating up which means you need to start thinking about watering options for your lawn and garden. They've got it. And you know what? It may be too hot for you. They've got plenty of air conditioning units and fans just for you. Gilman Home Centers, with 14 locations in Indiana and Ohio. 
You've been listening to Cross the Line 1524 with Dwayne Bischoff, Jeff Montag, Ruben Hunt, and Alan Stanger. Remember, you like us? Leave us a five-star rating and positive comment on whatever podcast app you're using. Hey, check out our webpage at www.crossthline1524.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Check out Podcast 1524 on Twitter and Cross the Line 15 slash 24 on Facebook. Give me one before you kick me out the door.